And so now we're going to move more deeply into our experience of the word. We're going to turn to the scripture. Uh, we're back at the beginning of the Gospel of John. We've been in the Gospel of Mark for a couple of weeks, but if you remember at the start of the year, we, we sat at the, those first words of the Gospel of John that open us up into this uh, amazing experience of the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was towards God, and the word was God. And just a little bit after that, we find our, our net, uh, this morning scripture, um, which is the first thing that Jesus does in the gospel. He has a little exchange with John the Baptist, and then he begins forming a community. And so um, Alice and I are going to read the scripture, and I'm going to start out, and then Alice will, will close the scripture. But we're reading uh, the gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. The next day, John the baptizer again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them, he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed or Christ. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are now to be called Cephas which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the human one. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy Christ, you call us into community with you and with each other. 
empower us, open us to listen together to the word that you might have for us today, that we might embody your word for the blessing of the world you love so very much. Amen. This week, as I worked with this scripture, I also kept returning to another sacred text, a text that this week was new and fresh, a text, a poem, that this week infused so many of us with life and hope. On Wednesday, a little afternoon in Washington, D.C., amid the pomp and ceremony of the presidential inauguration, Amanda Gorman, America's Youth Poet Laureate, stepped to the microphone and offered the nation her poem, The Hill We Climb. She began with the question, when day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? And from there, she named our experience. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've weathered and witnessed a nation not broken, but simply unfinished, far from polished and pristine, yet striving for a union with purpose. Amanda Gorman pointed us to a future built not by blade, but by bridge, pointed us toward the work of repair and just redemption, the rebuilding of a country bruised but whole, benevolent but bold, fierce and free. As the best words do, the best poems, the best sermons, the best books, the best of us, Amanda Gorman's poem and her speaking of it embodied glimpses of answers to the question that she raised. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never ending shade? There's a question like that lingering in the air at the start of the Gospel of John. We know it's poetry. In the beginning was the word and the word was with and towards God. The word was God. Through the word, all things were made and in him was life and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And the word became flesh and dwelt in us, full of grace and truth, and we have seen it. And from there, the Gospel of John goes on, opening up glimpses of answers to the questions that it raises. How is it that word has become flesh? How is it that we come to see light in this never-ending shade? Some of the first glimpses the gospel offers are these opening scenes in which Jesus gathers a community. That's the first thing he does. John the Baptist says a little bit more about the one who is coming and then Jesus arrives on the scene and gathers a community. John points two of his own disciples to Jesus. There's the lamb of God. They follow Jesus. Jesus asks them what they want. They wanna know where he's staying and Jesus says, come and see. They follow Jesus, and then one of them, Andrew, goes to get his brother Simon and says, we found the Messiah, the Christ, and they go to Jesus, and Jesus gives Simon a new name, Peter. The next day, Jesus finds Philip and says, follow me, and Philip goes and gets Nathanael. We found the one about whom Moses and the prophet spoke, Jesus of Nazareth, and we get this funny exchange, Nazareth? That backwater town, has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? And Philip says to him, come and see. And as Nathanael approaches Jesus, Jesus says, now there's someone in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael replies, do you know me? 
And Jesus says, I saw you sitting under that fig tree to which Nathanael responds, Rabbi, you are the son of God, king of Israel. At which point Jesus says, oh, if you've just said that just because I told you that I saw you under a fig tree, just you wait. You will see greater things than these. You all will see the heavens open and angels of God ascending and descending on the human one. The heavens opened. No separation between the heavens and the earth. Just you wait. And there you have it. Just like that, in 16 verses, a community has come to life. It happens quickly. But there are some things to pause and notice. The first thing to notice is the mutuality of this new community. Did you notice that? We often talk about this passage as Jesus calling his disciples, but did you notice that they are calling each other? I think it's actually hard to keep track of who is calling whom in this text. It's John the Baptist who points the first two towards Jesus. It's one of them, Andrew, who goes to get to, gets his brother Simon Peter, and the next day Jesus calls Philip, but then it's Philip who goes and gets Nathaniel using the same words that Jesus uses, come and see. Jesus, Andrew, Philip, Simon Peter, Nathaniel, they call each other into this community. And then there is this free and free exchange of questions and answers. The disciples ask Jesus questions. He answers some. He asks some back. And throughout, they say to each other, come and see. We might forget for a moment that all this is taking place in a world of empire and oppression and hierarchy. Here we have these folks calling each other, asking questions of each other, answering as they can. And that connects us to the second thing to notice. As they gather and enter into this experience together, did you notice that each one of them brings a word about Jesus? The first two call him rabbi. Andrew tells his brother that they found the Messiah, the Christ. Philip tells Nathaniel that they found the one about whom Moses and the prophets spoke. And then Nathaniel fills in some more titles, son of God, king of Israel. As they each come and experience Jesus, a particular word rises up in each of them. I like the way that Gail O'Day and Susan Highland talk about this. They say that no one name or title can carry a full expression of who Jesus is. And none of us has the whole picture, but each one of us brings our own particular glimpse, our own particular embodied word, and we bring them together and hold them together in community as we share and grow in understanding. And that's the third thing. In this rapid fire exchange, there is a new understanding coming to life. What's happening is not what folk would expect. We found the one about whom Moses and the prophet spoke, Jesus of Nazareth. Can anything come out of Nazareth? Nazareth, that tiny town that has no significance in empire, no significance in our traditions. It's not even mentioned in Moses or the prophets or in any part of the scriptures. The word is becoming flesh. We're finding light in this never-ending shade, not at the centers of power, but in the vibrant pulse of life at the margins, in everyday folk and our everyday lives. In this Jesus of Nazareth, in this community of mutuality. What a great scripture to sit with as we turn to these words we say, together we serve. An expression of community 
of this community. Some might say it's become part of your brand. In the business world, a brand is a promise. This is what you can expect when you encounter me. My promise of who I will be to you and with you. For a business, a brand says what you can expect of its product or service. For a politician, a brand might express what we can expect in their policy. We've even started to talk about a personal brand for any given person, what the world can expect, who we will be when they encounter us. Together we serve. It's become part of the fabric of this community, words that have been voiced, experienced, and claimed over time as your own. To get to our website, folks type in togetherweserve.org. There's even a hymn, Together We Serve, number 767, commissioned for the church's 100th anniversary that has made it into the Presbyterian hymnal and that says at the bottom of the page where they list the name of the tune, San Anselmo. A few weeks ago, Dave Jones shared with me his first experiences of those words here and said that I could share the story here. One of the first invitations to serve that Dave received here years ago was an invitation to serve on a pastor nominating committee, the one that nominated uh, Pastor Chan Chandler Stokes. Now that's no small first invitation, serving on a pastor nominating committee. Dave wasn't sure what that would involve, but he said yes and showed up to the first meeting and the first order of business was to elect a chair of the committee. Someone asked Johnny Holm if he'd serve Johnny said that he would serve as a co-chair with someone else, but not as chair on his own. And while you may have guessed it already, Johnny and Dave ended up serving as co-chairs together, Dave leading the meetings, Johnny leading the communication with the candidates. Over the course of their serving together, Dave noticed that Johnny signed all his letters and emails from the committee with these words, together we serve, not sincerely, not yours in Christ, but together we serve. Sometime later, Dave asked Johnny about that. Johnny explained that it was something he brought with him from the business world. He'd served as a consultant on some really big projects with all sorts of company representatives, officials, and consultants. And he said that he started signing his letters, together we serve, as a reminder to everyone that they all served the same client that they all were on the same team, that they all were serving together. Together we serve. And here in Johnny's letters, it came to be the way this church greeted the candidates who were applying to be pastor. And over time, this community said it again and again, experienced it in the life of community and took those words as your own. The word you bring, one of the words you bring, together we serve. They are the closing words of the centennial history that Walt Davis and others wrote as you looked at this community's past as a window to the future, together we serve. Dave and I talked again this week and Dave said that they weren't just words on a page, that over time he's experienced these words as a continuing invitation to serve. As he was invited to be part of the choir, and then as Ashwood invited him to serve in the tree planting bare roots project in Afghanistan, and as he was invited to serve in Hurricane Katrina relief and the Keep Hope Alive project in Israel, Palestine. For Dave and maybe for others on this Zoom, maybe for others beyond this Zoom, together we serve 
has become a continuing invitation. An invitation that you extend to each other, not unlike the invitation we see in this morning's scripture. An invitation into the life of Christ, into the life of serving the world in Christ. Come and see. In my 15 months here, and even before that, I've seen that, this mutual invitation. And I've also seen how each of you brings a word, a particular word. With Bare Roots, I've watched Ozma continue to invite folks into life-giving tree-planting community that spans an ocean and continents. The anti-racism movement is calling us into learning and action to repair and rebuild and heal the harm done by systemic racism. Over the past year, Lisa De La Valle has led folks into a season of letter writing to support the right to vote and to make real the promises of the Constitution. This spring, Maylin Lim invited us to support the mask-making ministry of pandemic action. The deacons invite us and each other into the tender care of this community. I hope that folks like Katie Morrison and Virginia Tebow and Ann Toller and I have invited this community into an embodied experience of what life looks like when LGBTQIA plus people and our families are welcomed into the full life of the church. The Zoom team and the worship team and our choir and the moving forward team have invited us into new experiences of worship and service and connection. And those, those of you who are now part of this community from a distance, you're inviting us to create new ways to continue worshiping together because we love to worship and serve with you. And I could go on. Together we serve. A mutual invitation into living the life of Christ by serving a hurting world. Each of us bringing and sharing a word. Now, I'm not saying this to flatter you, not because it's National Compliment Day, because I didn't even know it was until Patrick reminded us. I'm saying this to confirm what I have seen in you. I've heard your promise, together we serve, and I've experienced it embodied in you. In a number of ways, you've invited me into service. I was ordained in this community. You've called me to be your pastor. I'm saying all this to confirm what I've seen and to reflect the invitation back to you, the mutual invitation to keep it going. What is the word that you bring? The questions that you bring, the passion, the new idea, the glimpse that you are seeing of light, of how these words that we say might come to life next. Who are the folks you might invite into community and into this gift of serving together? I'm saying this as part of my turn in our conversation to invite you to continue to speak up, to trust the word welling up in you even now and to share it with the folks on the Zoom and with folks beyond the Zoom together. How can we bring to life the next word that is welling up in us? The Gospel of John is about the word coming to life in the fullness of our humanity. We see that in this morning's scripture, as the word comes to life in community, in a community of mutuality, where we invite each other, each of us brings a word, and together in Christ, we create a world beyond what we thought we could imagine. Together we serve an embodied word, 
That's also the gift that Amanda Gorman gave us on Wednesday. As she asked us, when day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never ending shade? And then as she pointed us to the life we live as a nation, each of us, all of us together in community. And so we'll let the last words of this sermon be hers. When day comes, when day comes, we step out of the shade aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it. If only we're brave enough to be it.